Welcome back to the Highway to Health Podcast. And thanks for connecting with us again on Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo. In this edition of the podcast, Dr. Adrian Udim will be our featured guest. Dr. Udim is an expert in nutrition, wellness, and weight management. Dr. Udim is also a noted author on these topics with her book, Hungry for More. Dave Nemo will be your host for this edition of the Highway to Health Podcast. And now it's time to hand it off to Dave for his feature interview with nutrition and wellness expert, Dr. Adrian Udim. We are on the entrance ramp to the Highway to Health here this morning. The birthday of Benjamin Franklin, who was born on this date back in 1706. And I think a pretty good way to start our conversation with Dr. Adrian Udim is to quote Ben Franklin here this morning. He said, tell me and I forget. Teach me and I remember. Involve me and I learn. And Dr. Udim, we're ready to learn. Good morning. Dave. I love that quote, actually. It is relevant. (laughs) He had some doozies, I'll tell you. He really has. That adage about a place for everything in its place, that was Ben Franklin. Learn something new every morning, don't you? (laughs) We sure do. We try. That's the goal. That's the goal. I've talked a little bit about the book earlier here this morning on the program, and thanks again for getting up early out there on the West Coast with us. And by the way, how did you do in the weather? Most of that weather now has moved over into the Four Corners area, but did you have some problems with all the rain where you are? We personally did not and really basked in it. As you know, we don't get a lot of rain, so it was nice to experience some seasons. But yeah, there were parts of our area that really got plummeted with water. So I think it's a nice little break for a bit here now. Indeed. I remember when I started my disc jockey career back in the early 70s, there was a song called It Never Rains in Southern California. (laughs) That's the truth. (laughs) (laughs) Hungry for More is the name of the book. I kind of want to use that as the platform for our discussion here this morning because you bring up a lot of things about what that means, hungry for more. And when we hear the word hungry, we automatically think of the refrigerator, right? But that's not what you're talking about. Right, absolutely. I mean, we do focus on food all the time when we talk about weight, weight loss, and matters of hunger. But what I share in the book and what is my experience doing this work for almost 20 years and what the science actually shows is that it does go beyond our physical feeling or desire for food. And in fact, our emotional state, our emotions and spiritual state even can impact our emotions, of course, which then impact our desire for food. So it is something that goes more deep to what's really on the surface. And I was just thinking because hungry, I'm hungry all the time. So what do I do? I eat all the time. And what happens? I gain a lot of weight. Now I have a problem that needs help because I have diabetes or something. But then I also know people who are like physical fitness fanatics. They just work and work and work and exercise. It's like I have 0.2% body fat. I've got to get rid of that 0.2%. So we kind of tend to overdo all the time, I think. And we kind of focus in on stuff that we overdo on and we kind of leave everything else aside. 
about it, it's almost easier to be on the fringes. It's almost easier to be extreme than to kind of navigate that middle ground. Because that is what happens sometimes. We're all the way on one end or on the other. But I think for people who are listening who may be thinking to themselves, they will never be that guy or gal who's going to be so, I don't even want to say committed, but an over-exerciser or strive to have such a low percent body fat. The body is so forgiving. And so really small changes that we can make in our lives have really profound impacts, not only to our weight, but more importantly to our physical health as well as our emotional health. So we can strive again for small changes. They're not grand gestures, but yet they can be really impactful in terms of our health and well-being. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make sense here with this question, Dr. Udeem. Dr. Adrian Udeem is with us. Hungry for More is the book. It's available everywhere. And, of course, you can go to hungryformore.net on the web and go to radionemo.com and click on today's programming. You'll find Dr. Udeem's link there as well. But one of the things that we see a lot on television now mainly, and it's mainly in terms of women and fashion, be comfortable with yourself, be happy with who you are, no matter how big or fat or tall or small or whatever you are, which is wonderful. But what about our bodies themselves? Our bodies kind of get left out of that equation, correct? If we kind of just go with the mental game of, okay, I'm happy with myself and that's who I am and that's who I'm going to be. But your body is saying something else. So if we give our body what it needs, then we truly become ourselves. Does that make any sense to you? That's a really great point that you bring up because there is this kind of culture right now of body positivity and self-acceptance, which is great and doesn't actually have to be in opposition to doing what's right for your body physically. In fact, they've shown that when we can be more accepting of who we are, we are better able to make the changes that we need. And that makes a lot of sense, right? Because if we are so busy spending that bandwidth, that mental energy, self-deprecating or talking down to ourselves or feeling bad for ourselves, we don't really have that bandwidth, that energy to apply towards making positive changes, as well as the fact that we tend to be demoralized in that state. We can be self-accepting, accept ourselves who we are, and yet empower to do the right thing for ourselves and for our bodies. So I like to hold those two things in hand at the same time. Be positive, be self-accepting, and know that your body deserves more. You deserve more than the things that we tend to do to ourselves that negates our health. And a body in motion tends to stay in motion. So when you put yourself in that lane, so to speak, and start traveling down that road, you continue to travel. And the more you travel, the better you get. Right. I mean, I always say to my patients, kind of positive habits beget positive habits. And when you get yourself in that mental space and take that first step, then you're motivated, inspired, see the benefits and then are more likely to continue and to add on to those behaviors that you've initiated. One of the things that we hear all the time, and we all do it, I've done it, you may have done it too, in terms of changing something or improving. Let's not say change, but let's say improve something about ourselves, whether it's physical or mental, or the combination thereof, which you cannot really separate, of course, as you know. But we always need something else. Well, I need some gym clothes. I need a new pair of shoes. I need a watch with a heart rate monitor. I need a sweatband. I need to join the gym. By the time you go through that laundry list, it's, whoa, okay, we're not doing it. What you point 
point out here is that inherently we have everything we need inside us already right now. What is it that we have that we don't realize and how is it everything that we need? If that's not too big of a question. It is actually a question, but if we can break it down, it's true that we all intuitively, I think, know what's right for our bodies, right? I mean, we get, especially this time of year, caught up in all the gimmicks and the sales pitches and people are telling us that we should intermittent fast or follow the keto diet and before that it was Atkins diet and before that it was the cabbage soup diet or some other kind of nonsense. But we inherently know what we should be doing, more from the earth, less from the pantry, more whole foods, less processed foods, more movement, less sedentary activities, more sleep, less Netflix at night. We know what's right for our bodies. It really requires us to kind of close our eyes and ears to the noise because everybody, especially this time of year, comes out from the woodworks telling us how to do things and telling us that we need to purchase maybe fancy gadgets or gym memberships. But really, these things are not essential to doing the work that we know we need to do. I do encourage people, if you hear something that sounds kind of nonsense or too much, it probably is. And it takes a little bit of discipline to close our ears to the noise and just follow what we inherently know to be right for us. And you brought this up in somewhat of a roundabout way, the idea of judgment, judgment resulting in sabotage. Self-judgment, we really let other people do that. And boy, the social media scourge, I call it, has really injured people dramatically and even caused people to commit suicide, as you well know, Dr. Yudim. But that judgment, that's external. But we also have an internal judgment problem, too, don't we? I mean, this issue of social media or external judgment, as you say, it's an age-old problem. I mean, when I was a child, it was the Seventeen magazine or Cosmo magazine, and we would wish, pray that we looked like these models that were, quite frankly, in many cases, underweight or had eating disorders. Those societal pressures left their imprint on all of us. And in fact, body image issues are rampant even in six-year-olds, believe it or not. I mean, it starts really young. And to your point, it has only gotten worse as our access and technology has increased. But yes, we do have this internal negative voice, this internal inner critic. It stems from something that really was meant to keep us safe, Our brains, from an evolutionary perspective, are used to scanning the environment, scanning for threat, because back in the day, we had predators that threatened us. Mm -hmm. But now those threats have become things like social media, and our body reacts to that threat in the same fight-or-flight fashion that it reacted to a tiger coming out of the forest and threatening our survival. So there is that external piece, but then there is that internal inner critic that is constantly and incessantly judging and kind of narrating our life. This is normal. This is human. And every human on the planet is plagued, so to speak, by this narrator inside our head. But we can quiet that voice and we can create a little bit of space between that narration and ourselves. In fact, we tend to believe everything that we think. And I think a real powerful idea or concept is to first say to ourselves, just because I thought it 
doesn't mean that it's real. doesn't mean that I have to believe that voice. And creating a little bit of that separation, I think, is the first step in learning how to tame that negative inner critic. I remember a guy told me, Descartes said, I think, therefore I am. And he says, I think, therefore I am probably wrong. <laughs> exactly. So if we can separate ourselves from that, and recognize that that is part of the human condition, that kind of narration and self-judgment, but it doesn't have to define us. And if we can put that aside, then we are better able to make the changes that we need in a durable way because we don't have that negative self-talk that is kind of undoing, or to use your word, sabotaging our best efforts for ourselves. Yeah, exactly. We could really kind of zero in on social media and all of the harm that it does. Back when you were in school, there may have been one kid that picked on you or made fun of you. You kind of ruined your day, and maybe you finally had a confrontation that maybe turned out one way or another. But as one kid, now you get a text at 2 o'clock in the morning if you're a teenager and your phone is under your pillow so you don't miss that text because of FOMO, fear of missing out. And now it's like 37 people are picking on you. And we get overwhelmed so much. And what do we do now? We need comfort, right? And where do we head for comfort? To the refrigerator. Yeah, I would say this. We talk about our kids often in terms of the phones and social media, but we're just as susceptible to those negative effects. And we have a choice. One of my New Year's resolutions was to start charging the phone in the bathroom because I too get kind of yanked into my emails and into my social media and into the phone first thing in the morning. And that wasn't good for my mental health. I think we need to take... We need to know that we have a choice. These things are out there, but we can set the boundaries that we need to support our health. To speak to the issue of soothing or comfort, you're absolutely right. There are so many external ways that we can comfort ourselves, and they're all the same, whether it's food or alcohol or cigarettes or shopping or gambling or sex or overworking. There are so many ways that we can soothe our difficult emotions or distract ourselves from difficult emotions. It does take a little bit of understanding and discipline to stay with that emotion and to try to understand what is it trying to tell us? What is that hunger? What is that itch trying to tell us? When we find ourselves in the pantry or picking up that glass of wine, what is it that we're trying to kind of escape from? If we can allow ourselves to be with that emotion, we can uncover what that unmet need is. So I give an example that's common. Late at night, we've become accustomed now to staying up and watching TV, and TV has become so easy because we don't have to wait for commercials, and so we get sucked into episode after episode. Sleep deprivation itself will cause a surge in hunger hormones. So you literally are making your body physically hungrier when you dip below seven hours of sleep. So that's a physical kind of drive to eat. But what else is happening? If you're up in bed and your partner is asleep next to you and you are wanting connection, your mm -hmm. desire to go downstairs and grab something may be uncovering this other itch, this other discomfort, this other hunger, which is you want to connect with the person next to you. And that's what it is uncovering. So this is just one example, but our hungers can represent very practical things like just the need to sleep. And they can uncover more spiritual, emotional, unmet needs, which is the need to connect. 
So if we can pause in that moment, because when we get that drive, that trigger to eat, we kind of jump. We're really motivated to act and respond to that hunger. But if we can pause and just wonder, what is going on for me right now? What is that hunger representing? It can be a powerful tool to uncover what that need really is. It's not a need for food. So what is that hunger? That is profound. And it's really a different, more incisive approach and I can't thank you enough for being with us here this morning. We're out of time, as you can hear, because I'm kind of rushing through here. Dr. Yudin, thank you so much. And I'm going to point folks to the website for the book, if you don't mind. Hungryformore.net. Hungryformore.net. Thank you again so much for being part of the program here this morning. It was great to be with you, Dave. Thanks so much. That closes out this edition of the Highway Health Podcast. We would like to take this opportunity to thank you once again for spending part of your day with us on Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo. Now, folks, you can always find the Highway Health Podcast through Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo. And let's tell you about a few of the outlets where the podcast is available. You can listen to all of the episodes of the Highway Health Podcast through our website. Or you can subscribe to the podcast through all of the major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Just go to wherever you get your podcast and search Highway to Health. The Highway to Health Podcast is a production of Podwheels, powered by Radio Nemo.